Thank you very much, Paul uh, and other and Gaina for leading us uh, leading us so far in our worship. Um, uh, Steve, could you just put that the PowerPoint up, just the first bit? Oops. There we go. Right. Have a look at that uh, that picture. Um, what what do you think is going on in 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 that in that picture? What's your initial impression as to what's actually going on? Can, can you, can you, well, Steve knows, he's, cheat, cheat, Karen knows. Um, well, just in case you can't see very clearly, there's a, a, a long-haired kind of youth there, and he's grabbing hold of a young lady who looks in kind of some shock and uh, kind of, she's got a bag over her shoulder there. Can you see that? Okay, come on, come on, what, what do you think could be going on there? Sorry? A mugging. Right, I think the first attempt, maybe the first visual attempt is maybe there's a mugging going on. Maybe he's trying to grab her bag or assault her in some kind of way. We've had an awful lot on the news, haven't we, about uh, sexual uh, assaults and, uh, you know, uh, discrimination and all that kind of stuff. Uh, any other suggestions? What, what do you think, Mary? Stopping her from going away? Ah, right, yes, Sherlock Holmes is here. But if we have a look here, actually, you see, uh, he's actually rescuing her from being run over by that big lorry that's coming down the road. Um, This was the cover of a a Bible that was given out in Oxford University a few years ago during a mission. And uh, so on the front it said, don't judge, and then on the back it said, a book by its cover. Uh, So... um, you know, how easy it is for us to take our first impressions of a situation and, uh, and, and judge what we think is going on. Now, today in this uh, book of uh, Colossians, we've got to the passage where Paul is saying, uh, don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone judge you. Um, in particular, he says, don't let anyone judge you with regard to what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, or a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Have you ever heard uh, Christians described as being judgmental? Yeah, sadly, uh, we do sometimes have a reputation of being people who judge other people, and set rules, and uh, Christianity is all about a set of rules that you have to obey, and if if you obey them, then you get a tick and if you, if you disobey them, then you get a black mark, or you get shunned, or whatever. Paul is saying, don't let anyone judge you. Um, now, I wonder if anyone here today has, uh, uh, is involved in some kind of activity for Lent. Anyone? Failed. A failed activity. Uh, well, don't let anyone judge you about that. Because, you know, there are people who, who, who go to enormous lengths to, to go without chocolate or whatever it might be. Um, but, but if it all becomes about that, I think we've actually probably missed the point, if you sort of mean. Um, but whatever, if that's helpful to someone else, let's not judge them on their uh, whatever they're doing. Um, you see, there are various kind of... Um, these are human traditions. And there are a number of different isms... Which, uh, which different groups of Christians have adopted. Traditionalism. There are people who have in their mind that this is the tradition of what we do as Christians, and therefore you must conform to this tradition, whatever it may be. 
our tradition is different to St. Martin's next door. Um, but every group of Christians has its traditions, and sometimes, you know, let, let's, let's be traditional. We don't do it that way in this church, or whatever it might be. Then there is legalism. There is this kind of uh, requirement that actually you must obey the letter of the law to the very uh, fine detail. Uh, and there are so many people who actually uh, adopt this kind of very legalist uh, kind of approach. And then there's another one, ascetism. You probably don't see that quite as much, but back in, in the first century, a lot of uh, ascetics denied themselves and started whipping themselves and wearing horsehair clothing and fasting and you know all sorts of uh, activities of self-denial, which was part of their faith. But what Paul is saying is, if that's what you want to do, fine. But don't judge other people by their traditions or the way that they do this. Now, maybe these are the first hints in the letter of the Colossian heresy. Paul is writing this letter to the church of Corinth, and in his mind are people who are corrupting the gospel in some kind of way. And... um, We've already heard in the last passage he referred to circumcision and he actually completely turned that on its head and said actually your circumcision is when you were baptised into Christ. That, that is the kind of what matters. It's not to do with rituals and things like that. So maybe there were a group of people who were coming and trying to impose the Jewish traditions on the Christian church. And Paul says don't let that happen. And then he goes on in chapter in verse 21 talk about rules like don't touch this, don't taste that. A whole lot of rules that we could apply. Um, And then if we apply those rules to our lives, that's fair enough, but if we then start putting those onto other people and saying you also must do this or, or you're not as good as me because you don't fast in Lent or whatever it might be, we're missing a very important point. And the second thing he says is, don't let anyone disqualify you from the prize. Well, the prize is in Christ. And now he's talking about people, he uses expressions like false humility. Oh, not really. Very good. No, 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 not me. Um, You know. Um, He's talking about angel worship. Clearly, there's more hints to what kind of heresy might have been going around. People were worshipping other kind of spiritual experiences. Uh, maybe there were some super spiritual people. You met those in your life? The super spiritual people who just seem to be just a cut above everybody else. But he talks about an appearance of wisdom and how easy it is to look at the external view and, and say, wow, what a wise, what a spiritual person that is. But actually, we're only looking at the surface. Paul says, don't let anyone disqualify you from the prize, you know? Look beneath the surface and you see something quite different. Their unspiritual minds puff them up. He says, far from being super spiritual, they're actually unspiritual. And the problem is comparing yourself to somebody else. Do you ever fall into that trap? Uh, It's ever so easy. It's very easy for ministers. You know, you, you, you get to a minister's conference... And, you know, you start comparing how many baptisms you've had in your church and, you know, how your membership has grown and, you know, and all the conversions. Um, or, you know, when I get into an ecumenical group and I find 
that this, you know, this particular minister visits 25 people a day and spends two hours with each one, you know. And, <laughs> and you can start looking at yourself and thinking, oh, I, oh, if only I was as good as that person in terms of my pastoral care. You know, um, comparing ourselves with other people is dangerous. Each one of us here is unique. We've got a unique calling and uh, we share the same saviour. What we need is a reality check. And Paul says here, remember the reality. You see, all these things are just a shadow of what it's all about. But the reality, he says, is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. So, yet again, in this incredible letter that Paul is writing, all the answers, he comes back to focusing us on Jesus Christ. And how easy it is to get caught up in traditions and rules of not doing this and, you know, um, all sorts of things that we can all disagree about in terms of those traditions. But actually, he says, remember Christ. Christ is, first of all, your Lord. And uh, in verses 15 to 20 of the first chapter, there's this incredible passage about the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the lord over every authority, power, ruler. He's the lord over creation. Uh, you know, say no more. Uh, the lordship of Christ is all that matters. And then at the end of the passage we looked at last time, he talked about the powers, the, 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 the authorities of this world that... People are worried about being in control. He said he has disarmed them by the cross. So those powers have no power whatsoever because Christ has won the supreme victory over them. And then when people start telling you how you should worship, um, and he says, remember, Christ is the fullness of God. So other religions might have got interesting things, we can learn from them, but none of them can actually touch the fact that Jesus Christ is the fullness of God in human form. Don't forget that. That is at the heart of our gospel, and it sets us apart from every other religion or every philosophy. Jesus Christ is God in human form. No one else claims that, and no one else could, because only Jesus is Nothing can be added to Jesus, nothing can be taken away. Isn't that wonderful security to know? Uh, remember, Christ is your head. Who is the head of the church? Is it the Archbishop of Canterbury or the Queen? Or No, Christ is the head of the church. And he is your head, he is your authority, he is your source. And Paul now starts talking about this unspiritual person who thinks they're super spiritual, he says he's lost connection to the head. Just think what happens to your body if you sever the connection between the body and the head. Might cause some improvement in some people I can think of, but, um, but by and large, if, if we are connected to the head, the head controls our body. And, and, and if we are connected to Jesus Christ, uh, Christ is Lord over the body and it is his body. If we start disconnecting, if we start putting other things in, power, in place, then actually we are losing connection with our head. Christ is the head. And then he reminds us again about your baptism into Christ. This is such a key point. So I'm so excited that we're going to have a baptism here on Easter Day. What a wonderful day to have a baptism. And if anyone else wants to come and talk to me 
about that, I'd be absolutely delighted. Um, but Paul says it's something we can look back to to remind us that our sins are forgiven. All those rules about don't touch this, don't touch, you know, all of that stuff is actually summed up by the fact that our sins are forgiven by Christ. The law has been cancelled. This incomplicated law, which uh, was fairly simple when it was given to Moses, but by the time the Jews had added their 633 other laws to it, it it became a huge, cumbersome um, millstone around the neck, which no one could ever keep. Uh, And Paul says, the law has been cancelled, and the evil powers have been defeated spectacularly on the cross. He uses wonderful language. They've been nailed to the cross and, uh, and defeated. And he reminds us, you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world. These stoichia, these forces, these principles which are very worldly, but actually only Christ is Lord. So uh, that's a reality check. So if you ever start getting lost and starting judging yourself against other people, come back to that reality check. Now the question today is, how to grow? This is, Colossians, uh, I'd like to suggest, is the theme is spiritual growth. How to grow in discipleship, and that's Paul's aim. Uh, Remember he wants to present everyone perfect in Christ. He wants us all to grow. Uh, How can we grow? First of all, Remain connected to the head. We've just been singing, what, oh, what uh, needless pain we bear, uh, all because we forget. It's easy to sing, isn't it? But to, do not, yeah. It, it, we, we just forget, don't we, actually, that Jesus is our head. When we get into difficulties and we reach out in different directions for help, we forget that Christ is our head. We start doing things which we think are going to please other people. And we forget we should be doing things that are going to please Christ. And they're not always the same thing. Uh, after 23 years in the ministry, uh, I, I, I realize you cannot please people. And if you try, you are foolish. Because you, if you please that group, you certainly haven't pleased that group. Um, so actually, Christ is our head and we must remain connected to him. And that means uh, conversation in prayer, it means studying his word, it means, well, well, we'll come to a number of things that it means in a minute. So remain connected to the head, and make sure Jesus is your Lord and head of all that you do. Second part, remain part of the body. You know, there are some Christians who seem to think... Um, that their version of Christianity is so correct that they can't really associate with uh, other people because they might get contaminated by the people who aren't as pure as them. Uh, now, a friend of mine, um, a couple of my friends of mine, um, became Christians uh, quite recently through a tragedy that happened to them. Um, and at the same time as this tragedy, uh, their son also became a Christian uh, but from some street preacher, and, and he, he adopted a very, very narrow form of Christianity, which was extremely judgmental. He wouldn't accept anything except in the King James Version of the Bible, because everything else was corrupt, 
uh, and you know he 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 had this incredibly incredibly narrow and uh, I did actually meet up with him had an interesting conversation and I was trying to say to him yeah but do you meet up with other Christians are you part of a church and and and, and he wasn't although I gather that he now is gradually reading other versions of the Bible, which is wonderful. But, you know, he, he didn't want to meet with other people because they weren't quite the same as him. <laughs> I'd say, good, we're not all the same. Uh, but you do need to be part of a body of the church. The body needs members, and each member has got something to contribute, and together we make up the body. You cannot really grow as a Christian if you're not a member of the body. You must be part of the body. Um, we, we, if you can imagine this kind of rather grotesque, grotesque image, if you imagine that my arm here is, the, is the best part of me and it grows bigger and stronger like Popeye, you know, and, and you imagine my, my body with a kind of rather puny bit here and this huge arm, it looks ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, all the body must grow, mustn't it? It, it, it is quite, um, and in fact, it is so grotesque, but that's actually what happens when someone gets one of these extreme kinds of cancer. That one particular part of the body grows out of proportion, and, uh, and, and that's uncontrollably, and that's what, uh, of course, people die from. So the body is sick if one part of the body grows much faster than another part. The body is healthy if all the parts of the body are growing and remain connected to each other. So you can't be a lone ranger Christian. Now, I like this bit. Support and be supported. It's all part of the bit about being part of the body. Let's see what Paul has to say about this. He says, about the person who is unspiritual, has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, okay, uh, grows. But what he says is, the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Let me read that again. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. We need one another. And we need all the parts of the body because without them, the body doesn't work properly. And he, he uh, mentions here the, the ligaments and sinews. I, I want to tell you today that you need to be a bit of gristle. You know? Those of you that like a nice sort of joint of meat or what have you, you will know that apart from the lovely steak, sorry, vegetarians amongst us, there are bits which, um, which we would rather cut off the edge of our plate and give to the dog, okay? Um, the bits of gristle, which are rather tough. Now, I want to show you a, a, photo, a picture. You see, I think that we need a bit more... We need more of the Christians who are those parts of the body, the sinews and the ligaments, because they hold things together. Uh, the body has many parts, some of which are visible and attractive. Some parts are hidden. Some parts we keep uh, are, are modestly covered. Other parts are inside, and, and we never see what they do until they go wrong, and then we realize that we do need that part of our body. But um, that is a knee joint. I don't know if you can see this. And um, a few years ago, uh, when 
um, my daughter and uh, then boyfriend uh, moved to, to Ilminster. Um, Simon was playing football on an astroturf, and as he swung his leg to kick the ball, his trainer did not move, and his knee did, and he ruptured his cruciate ligaments. Now, the cruciate ligaments... Have we got a laser on here? Oh. How do you do it? Um, oh, well. Anyway, um, don't look in there. Laser. Well, anyway, you can see there. Right in the middle, there's a kind of a darkish bit. The cruciate ligaments, there's the anterior and the posterior cruciate ligament, hold together the two bones of the knee that move. In between there, you've got your cartilage. Now, if you can imagine what happens if those ligaments tear, it means that the top part of your leg is not attached to the bottom. It is um, often described as the most feared football injury. Uh, thankfully, um, Simon had surgery uh, with a top, um, a top surgeon. Uh, I think he was the same one who, who, who operated on... Was it Owen? Was a footballer called Owen? Somewhere? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, I think the same chap. And, and he's now able to walk, although he would not get involved in contact sports. It, it, it is a crucial uh, ligament. Rather good name, cruciate, isn't it? Without that, you can't walk. You are in extreme pain. Now, if all the parts of the body, ligaments are not particularly kind of uh, talked about, are they? You know, they're the kind of bit that you tend to ignore. You think about muscles. Look at my muscles. But actually, if we haven't got a tendon joining our muscle to the bone, <laughs> muscle's useless. It's like a bit of jelly that, you know, goes up and down. Um, if we haven't got ligaments in our knee, the, the joint can't work. And, and there are people uh, who are part of the church who are, I would suggest, bristly Christians. The people who hold things together. Yeah? Now you might be able to identify them. Now I've, I've, I've been trying to think, I've been thinking quite a lot about whether I should actually do this, but I'm, I'm going to. I reckon Steve's a bristly Christian. Because you see, there are things that hold together because... Uh, Steve does things behind. Uh, you, you, you know, he, he will be visiting people yesterday in the snow and, and taking stuff to them and mending things and em clearing the drains. When the drains block, and no one wants to do that, but nobody wants a smelly loo. Um, you know, there are people who do those kind of things. Uh, and I reckon Margaret is too. Margaret's ever so quiet, and she never complains. I could go around a lot of people, actually. But, but actually, you know, there are people who do things which are hidden and actually hold everything else together. And we don't know what they do. <laughs> Grizzly. <laughs> well, he, we're all allowed to be a bit grizzly sometimes. <laughs> actually, do you know the, the difference between a groan and a moan? Well, a groan is something which is, it is at God. So I, I, I'm letting out to God, groan. A moan is about me. So if we're always moaning about me, that's negative and not helpful. But if we only let it go, groan to God, that's, that's okay. So we can, we can be a, 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 what do you call it, a grizzly? You can grizzle to God. Um, I, I won't go anymore, but I embarrass anybody else. But, do you know, Paul says, if, Where are we? Here we go. Um, 
if we are connected with the head, and if the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, the gristly Christians, grows as God causes it to grow. And the body will only grow if all the parts work together. And the last thing I want to say is this. Let God work as God causes it to grow. You know, we can, we can do our bit to try to build up God's kingdom uh, and the church, but actually, unless God calls it to grow, it won't grow. So we need to call on him and uh, maybe groan to him when things are going bad, but actually to call on him that by his spirit he will build his body on earth as it is in heaven. So I think um, there is quite a call here for us to be grisly Christians, grisly Christians, um, to remember the Lordship of Jesus, uh, to have that reality check and keep him at the centre, but make sure that all the parts grow and support one another. That's what we're here for. Um, And that's all I'm going to say today. So, Paul, let me hand back to you.